Hello and welcome to another episode of ESG Out Loud's Sector Special Series, this month sponsored by Royal London Asset Management. I'm ESG Clarity's Global Editor Natasha Turner and today I am joined by George Crowdy, Fund Manager at Royal London Asset Management, to revisit the tech sector. Later on in this episode, I'll be joined by Grey Parrot's Michaela Druckmann for an insight on working in the sector itself. But first, George, it's great to have you with us. And let's get cracking into ESG in the tech sector. Great. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having me. So what would you say are the uh, ESG challenges that are unique to this sector? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really good question. I mean, perhaps starting on the, the, the G side, I think that's probably where the tech sector is really quite unique. And I, I think there's a few reasons for this. I mean, I think it's uh, you know, certainly a sector where the kind of pace of innovation is, is as, as high as you'd find in any sector. And I think partly as a result of that, you do find a lot of companies where company founders are still very much a part of that company. And what that means is that you often come across governance issues such as different share classes, uh, often multiple share classes with different voting rights attached to them. And I would say it is more often than not quite a challenging sector to be a minority shareholder. Um, another thing I'd say on, on the governance side with the tech sector is that the pay structures, which in, in many cases can be quite quirky. Um, it's certainly a sector where, you know, levels of pay can be very, very high, um, particularly versus other sectors. And there's also a lot of use of stock-based compensation as well. Um, to an extent you don't see quite so much of in, in many other sectors, which make it quite quirky when uh, assessing it from a corporate governance perspective. Otherwise, uh, I mean, and this really does vary company by company, but it's a sector that I'd still say is quite male dominated in terms of uh, compositional workforce, the people on boards and things like that um, as well. And, and I think another thing is, and somewhat linked to the, the pace of innovation in the tech sector is kind of how it interacts with regulators who in many cases are more often than not playing catch up with the tech sector. Whereas in, in more stable, perhaps slower evolving industries, you feel that dynamic between the companies and the regulator is a little bit more established and um, easier to get your, your head around from a kind of stakeholder relations perspective. And then, then perhaps just to move on to the kind of environmental side of things. I mean, you know, it, it, this is quite specific on, on which pocket of the tech sector you're, you're looking at, but certainly thinking about, uh, you know, supply chains, when it comes to the more manufacturing side of things, so the, the hardware side of the industry, um, there's a lot of very energy and water intensive sides of the technology sector. I mean, things like semiconductor manufacturing, uh, data centers as well, both require huge amounts of energy and water to do what they do. Um, and in many cases, actually, we see that the kind of grid infrastructure isn't necessarily set up for a lot of these things. Um, you know, we, we very quickly and, and continue to move to a world where computing power is done centrally through the cloud and through data centers and things. And, um, you know, in many parts of the world, that's putting quite a lot of strains on the grid, um, despite that being a much more efficient way to run your computer processing power. And then on the hardware side, I mean, thinking about things like end of life recycling, um, uses of batteries in, in technology as well. These are all things that we certainly pay a lot of attention to. And then on the, the social side, I mean, you know, clearly data is a, is a massive issue. Uh, the the privacy aspects of that, the use of it, the manipulation of it. And I think one thing we're increasingly focused on is, is kind of how the tech sector is um, increasingly impacting and merging in all parts of the economy, particularly the physical world, and thinking about some of the data implications of that. So 
be that sort of connected buildings and things, how, how can this data be used responsibly? And then artificial intelligence, which is clearly the sort of hot new thing for the last uh, six or so months. I mean, the ethics around that and the, the privacy, privacy concerns related to that. I mean, you know, AI has been proven to be very easily able to replicate people's voices, uh, just as one example. So how do you ensure the security and privacy aspects around that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. I mean, it seems like a, a lot of those examples that you've given or, or things that you've identified on the different aspects of ESG have a lot to do with the pace, right? It seems like, and not just from, the, you mentioned catching up with regulation, but it, it just the, the pace of innovation, the pace of even, you know, changing pay. I mean, it's all to do with that kind of fast moving environment. Is that, would that be a fair assessment of what you've kind of just covered? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the technology sector is kind of the most innovative part of the economy. That, that's kind of what it's constantly reinventing itself. And many of those issues are a result of that, as you say. Um, mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's not to say that having a founder as part of a company is a bad thing at all. In many ways, that that can be a fantastic thing and, and actually increases the, the success of a company in the future. But it's certainly looking at the tech sector through a sort of more standardized corporate governance lens uh just as one example does make it more quirky and more challenging hmm. so i mean i want to come on to what some of the esg opportunities are but how do you approach as an investor um keeping up with that pace or some of those challenges yeah i mean it's it's difficult um you know, you've really got to make sure you understand what you're investing in. And our, our investment approach at Royal London Asset Management on the sustainable side is just to approach every single company from a very bottom-up perspective, looking at what it does, the positive impact that its products and services are having on the world, and looking at how it manages its operations and really looking for companies who are leaders when it comes to uh, thinking about all stakeholders and the way that they go about managing their business, be that their employees, be that their customers, be that their supply chains, be that the way they interact with regulators. And we're really looking to invest in the leaders there. And typically that steers us away from the less established technology companies, um, where I think a lot of those things are, are still unproven and uh, a lot of those companies are still working on many of those aspects. Mm -hmm. Do you find some of those conversations are different than with companies you have in other sectors? Is there I mean, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, and we've sort of touched on it, but founders who are like very attached to their businesses, very involved in their businesses, are some of those conversations different to when you're talking to people in other areas? I think they definitely are. Um, I mean, I'd say founders typically, and, and particularly if they've got a, a very material portion of their own wealth in that business, will will have a different risk appetite and take a different time horizon to perhaps a chief executive that doesn't have um, that, that same focus and alignment. Um, so I would say that is, that is quite different. I mean, I'd say what we look for though is, is, is we do spend a lot of time making sure we're aligned as shareholders. So, you know, we, we've, we've got to be comfortable that the management team are remunerated and rewarded in a way that we, we think benefits all stakeholders at the end of the day, um, with shareholders being one of those groups. Um, I think there's a lot of the cases in, in the technology sector where uh, you know, the main stakeholders who benefit from the performance of the business is, is the employees through things like stock-based comp. And that's that's often you know quite a major red flag for us. And actually, although many of these companies we think do are doing very positive things in terms of their products and services, actually, there's quite a, a chunk of the technology sector that we wouldn't invest in 
due to the corporate governance aspects there. Right. Okay. So even if they're producing like a recycling, I don't know, solution or whatever, if they had a bad governance structure, that would Absolutely, be Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's very dangerous to, to say you're, you're, I mean, I would say the vast majority of companies within the technology sector do have a positive impact on the world in terms of what they do. I mean, at a very high level, technology, successful technology companies are successful because they're solving some kind of societal problem and improving efficiency in some point. And that, those things are very well aligned with, you know, what the world is trying to achieve through sustainability. But you've got to whittle that down from an investment perspective with, to those companies that you think are going to be good investments in ones where you're aligned as minority shareholders and it's the corporate governance side of things where you know which which really filters that down for us in in the tech sector Mm -hmm. okay so let's come on to some of the opportunities in the sector that are sort of unique to to esg i mean if you're sort of putting an esg lens on looking at them where are you seeing opportunities in the sector yeah, I mean, there's there's really a, a very wide range of areas that we we think are pretty exciting in the tech sector. I mean, one is semiconductors, um, which really are the backbone of kind of all digitalization. It's just not possible to you know, make the world more digital and more efficient. And, you know, I can't think of many things related to sustainability that don't have semiconductors involved in some way, shape or form. You know, electrification and digitalization are absolutely critical. Um, so that's one area that we think is pretty exciting. Um, there's various companies within the semiconductor supply chain who we think are real leaders in terms of thinking about the environment in the way that they manage their operations and really pushing the bar ever higher there. Software sector as well is is, is one area that we're, we're quite excited about, particularly uh, when we see software being used to improve efficiency within the physical world, be that things like the construction or building sector, for example, which is you know a sector where there is a huge amount of inefficiency in the sense of things are off there's a lot of material wastage uh products take longer than they perhaps need to and you know aren't aren't, aren't done in the most effective way and uh you know companies which are helping address that through digitalization and through software are pretty interesting to us um cloud computing uh you know we certainly think is very positive from a sustainability perspective i mean the idea of it's, it's all about resource efficiency um making sure that the companies can innovate faster, use the compute power when they need it, um, really lends itself to, to, to these things being done centrally through cloud computing. Um, so that's one area. And then then payments as well. I mean, perhaps not everyone thinks of payments when you think of technology, but things like fintech and is, is a huge driver of financial inclusion, particularly in emerging markets where you know, the idea of going to bank branches um, in the physical world is, is not really the way that banking's done anymore. Um, it's all on smartphones, it's all through apps. And um, these companies are using technology to really empower people and drive financial inclusion. And then you've obviously got um, big transitions such as electric vehicles, which, you know, many of the things we spoke about play into, I mean, particularly semiconductors. Um, and then artificial intelligence as well. I mean, you know, it, this is just, I think going to have an impact on every single sector, but I think it can have a very positive impact in in things like um, drug development and drug discovery, where, you know, through really efficient and effective um, crunching of data and predictive analytics, you're going to be able to um, hopefully discover new compounds which are likely to be successful in treating hard, unmet diseases, um, which, which could only be done through advances in computing power. 
So there's, yeah, long story short, there's a lot of opportunities we think in, in the technology space, um, particularly from a products and services perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. So it seemed like maybe, maybe it's a while back now, but certainly when we started in kind of the start of the pandemic, a lot of funds or ESG funds were kind of, um, you know, they were, they were investing quite heavily in tech because it can have quite a low carbon footprint. If we're talking about some of those areas you mentioned, um, as a kind of way maybe to get their overall funds footprints down. Obviously, there's been like a lot of development in space since then. But, you know, is do you see this kind of approach to tech from an ESG perspective changing? And where do you see the sector positioned from a kind of allocation perspective? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we've never invested in the technology sector because of, it has a low carbon footprint. It's been much more because of, the positive impact that these products and services can have on the world. And actually, I, you know, I'd find many examples of technology companies, such as semiconductor manufacturing companies, which actually have incredibly high carbon footprints, but also mm -hmm. at the same time have a very, very positive impact on the world. So I think, you know, there's a lot more to investing in the tech sector than doing so just because it, it's got a low carbon footprint. But um, so I think I think that's something that's changing. And I actually think the pandemic has been very positive for really showing just how important technology has been for society. You know, without really the world's digitalization trajectory accelerated by multiple years um, as a result of us all having to, to work from home for you know many months. Um, so yeah, in just things like e-commerce, things like digital payments, things like cloud computing. Um, I mean Things, things like you know video conferencing have all hugely accelerated as a result of the pandemic and many of those things we think of actually very positive from an environmental perspective as well mm -hmm. yeah well and i know you've covered a, a lot of things already but what is your outlook for the sector kind of going forward then more more generally in terms of esg um where do you kind of see it positioned or what kind of things are on your radar for the next i don't know year or two yeah, I mean, we're we're still pretty positive on the sector. I would say I think there are a lot of there's lots of different parts to the technology sector, and even answering the question "What is a technology company today?" is actually pretty difficult. Mm. Um, but yeah, I know I think we're still very early in digitalization. Um, things like semiconductors, I think, will just continue to be used in ever increasing quantities in more and more end markets, uh, driving digitalization and efficiency gains. We're still very early in the transition to cloud computing, which you know is, is kind of the core infrastructure to a lot of technology. Artificial intelligence, I mean, it's early days, but I think that that shows huge potential to improve efficiency in many industries. I mean, you take something like the banking industry, where there's a huge amount of kind of repetitive tasks uh, that have to be done at the moment. And if you can automate all of those things in an accurate and efficient way, that, that could be hugely beneficial. Um, this is one example there. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I would expect the technology sector to remain a pretty meaningful proportion of our sustainability funds going forward. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. And is there anything else that you think our, our audience should know about or that you uh, want to say on the sector? Um, I think it's really important. You know, I'm a sustainable investor and it's it's all very well finding companies that look great from a sustainability perspective but you've got to match that up with a strong business model and you've got to match that up with a valuation that you can understand and you think is attractive and i think this is where there's been quite a lot of wealth destruction in the technology sector because valuations 
we're out we're outside of where they should have been um you know through a lot of 2020 and 2021 and a lot of those business models were very unproven and seeing sort of one-off tailwinds from the pandemic so i think at a high level, it seems like there's a huge amount of opportunity for sustainable investors in the technology sector, but I think it's a real it's a sector where you really need to do your bottom-up research and try and match those attractive sustainability characteristics with strong business models and uh, valuations that you think are attractive as well. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thanks very much for having me. I'm now joined by Michaela Druckmann, CEO at AI Waste Analytics platform Grey Parrot, to talk about working in the sector itself. So thanks very much for joining us today, Michaela. Thank you. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about what Grey Parrot does and then how it uses technology to address an environmental issue. So we use AI and computer vision um, to analyze and track waste uh, and with a mission to increase transparency and automation in the waste and resources sector. So to give you a bit of context on the waste industry, uh, we produce over 2 billion tons of solid waste per year. Um, By 2050, that will be around 4 billion. So it's really a problem that's very, very big. And about half of that is today ending up in landfill uh, and open dumps. Uh, And a small proportion of it is recycled. So we need to still do a lot of efforts to increase that recycling and, of course, to reduce waste uh, in general. So what we're essentially doing is um, addressing the data problem in the waste industry. So when we look at all the waste that we produce, less than 1% will actually be measured. So there's very little transparency. And when we have no transparency, it means we have no accountability either. So the first step is that by putting cameras in waste facilities, so especially in sorting facilities and recycling facilities, we allow the waste managers, so private companies that essentially take uh, our recycling in our bins and transform it into a commodity that can then be recycled again into new products. We help them make that process much more efficient. And secondly, we allow the rest of the value chain to have much more information on where the waste is going, what products are performing well, what is not, and so on. And also starting to influence actually how we create products uh, earlier um, in the process as well. Interesting. Okay. I mean, you know, our, our readers love data. They love better data. So are you seeing interest from investors outside the traditional ESG investment space and for yourself, but also for those companies then that you're helping to be able to produce more robust Uh, information, I guess, for their investors, right? Absolutely. So when we look, um, in fact, from our own uh, investors, we really have a mix of ESG-focused funds, but also generalist funds, family offices, so so really a mix that have interest in this topic, because especially in the topic of waste, it is also a, um, a huge economic opportunity. So just to give you some numbers, over 80 billion worth of materials is dumped into landfill every year. So just that in itself represents a massive opportunity. Um, And the waste sector will reach about $2.5 trillion uh, by 2030. So it's a very big market that needs incredible digitization. So I think especially funds that work in the B2B space, industrial space, really see that as a big opportunity, Uh, of course, combining the positive impact, but just as a um, as an opportunity in itself. Is there a, a shift towards more non 
ESG funds, more traditional funds looking at this thing? I mean, I, you know, it seems like with this growing problem, but also opportunity, that would suggest that's the way things are going. So yes, in our case, we have seen uh, different types of investors that were traditionally not focused on ESG or climate tech that had interest in us or other similar companies. Um, and, and this happens particularly when the funds have, let's say, an interest in an area of the tech, but it, this can be applied to anything. So for example, if you have AI investors, they will be interested in technology, but its uses can be across everything. So that we have seen really uh, come across. And then also we're, we're you know, we're really seeing very big numbers around these things, as mentioned. You know, these are very large markets, 80 billion worth of materials dumped every year. This has an actual economic impact uh, on our society. And so there's also a lot of just very clear financial opportunity behind. And then from our customers' point of view, if we take the waste managers, they, you know, their role is to take this commodity, which is mixed what we call waste, but they're actually resources that at a point in time have negative value. So when you're going to put something in your bin that has negative value, and they have to transform that by separating it into a commodity that's sold into the market. And the more it goes to landfill, the more it has a cost because they have to pay for that and the less they can make revenue. So they have also very clear financial incentives, but it's also very much aligned with impact incentives. And in fact, they also have to report to their own investors on how they're managing that. So one of the things we do a lot, for example, is that we monitor residue lines. So this is where the waste is basically couldn't be separated and it will actually go to landfill or incineration. And we can actually quantify that. So with one of our customers, for example, we saw that 1.6 million pounds of worth of materials in just one line were being lost every year. And of course, that's a negative impact from a CO2 perspective, which they can report, but also from a financial impact. And that allows them to take much better decisions, make investments and start measuring those things uh, in, in, in different aspects with different criteria as well. And so that's what we're really trying to bring is that data and, and transparency at all levels. Well, going back to some of those kind of um, bigger issue or sectoral points that you were mentioning, um, what do you see as the potential for tech more broadly to address ESG issues or maybe AI as a part of tech? So we already see um, a lot of opportunity and it's happening now, uh, the way that companies are using um, tech uh, to have more data and basically be much more detailed, much more transparent, and much more aware of their own you know, ESG metrics and goals. But increasingly, what I'm seeing is the ability to gather information in a consistent and broad way, tech will be very critical. So we do that in one aspect, right, around, you know, recycling and resources and materials and where they're going and being able to rope it. But the same is happening with, you know, with agriculture or with products across the supply chain. Like it's incredible uh, the amount of information that we can gather. And once you start having that data, that's the first step because most of the time we don't even know where we're starting. And then from that point, it's very difficult to improve. So I think tech has a huge role to play in the measurement, improvement, optimization of some of those key metrics um, to get there. Um, and in our case, what we're seeing is that the impact 
tech can have goes far beyond your own in you know your own specific industry so in our case for example we work mostly with waste managers and we collect data in their facilities and we help them optimize that but all of that data we collect in an aggregate way is now starting to inform for example regulators and governments on how to create policies or inform policies or you know um and it's also impacting on the packaging side right so how do i design a product that can be more recyclable for example so that it doesn't end up in landfill in the end so i think that's really the the power of technologies that they can impact an industry but that impact then goes far beyond to the rest of the supply chain of you know whatever sector uh, the technology is working in and ai in particular uh, you know as you can see all the incredible uh, improvements that are going on uh, we're going to see then a lot of predictions a lot of optimization so not just like showing data here it is but how do we then start forecasting predicting optimizing recommending um, and that's quite that's going to become quite uh, exciting new phase I think once we digitize a lot of those sectors yeah that's a really interesting point and I think I think sometimes people get a little bit carried away with what tech can maybe do for you know solving a whole host of issues but actually they're you know highlighting that the uses for data and that very important starting point is um it's really interesting what kind of challenges have you faced in in setting up your business so i think the main uh, challenge broadly that we've faced and i think a lot of startups face this is around awareness uh and understanding of new technologies or of a certain sector. So when we were trying to enter, for example, the waste sector, there was very little awareness of AI technology, what it can do, what it means, how it works. So there was a lot of uh, you know, communication education in that sector. On the flip side, for example, talking to investors, there was very little understanding around waste management and actually what it means and how it works. So you know, in the early days, you sort of become a bridge in a communication across all these different, um, you know, parties, essentially to make it come together in a way uh, to get investment and to build a product and make it happen. So I think compared to today, I think that was really the early, uh, in the early days, the challenge of communication, education across all the different actors uh, in the ecosystem. And I think another one that we're also facing today is uh, standardization around ESG reporting and requirements. So even as a small company across, you know, different investors, uh, and then we have to also report on behalf of our customers because they have to report to their own investors. So it it is still quite unclear and there is not, you know, very clear standards on how to to report and measure so i think that's still something where we need a lot more effort uh because you know for us it's embedded in our business model uh the impact but still it has to be you know re- reflected and measured in a way that others that work with us can also communicate it so i think that's one of the things we're working a lot on uh right now mm-hmm. oh yeah definitely i mean we hear that a lot are you finding that it's taking up a lot of time then just formatting uh, that data into the reporting that everyone needs to have from you. Yeah. Absolutely. It's really, uh, it's very time consuming. 
um, and people have different ways of doing it. So we're, you know, we're starting to standardize that, have platforms to do that, but it is, it's very time consuming, especially when you're a small startup, you have, you know, limited resources. It's a significant part uh, of somebody's work to be able uh, to report this correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it looks like there might be regulation coming down the line, different platforms, as you say. So we, we will see and time will tell and hopefully it'll get uh, a bit easier for you. <laughs> Indeed. I guess there was maybe one other point around um, policy and regulation that you just mentioned, because I think in most industries for, you know, ESG decarbonization and so on, it's, it is such an important aspect, the policies and how they're created and how they're reinforced, that I think there's also a very big opportunity um, for all this technology that is reporting mainly for businesses, but for also governments to get involved and and really kind of embrace much more the digitization of sectors and and the tools that it can create for them in terms of policy making and i think that's where there's a there's a bridge that's needed especially between the tech ecosystem and governments uh, to think about it that way in terms of policy making to reinforce these things so i think that's a a big area of opportunity uh, in the coming years mm-hmm. great well thanks very much great to speak to you Thank you so much for having me. Find us on SoundCloud or iTunes by searching for ESG Out Loud.